time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Let's be honest. There are lots of things that we do in our own lives that complicate our lives, that make it harder for us to move forward in life, that keep us from, as I talk about, thriving in life. If you're not familiar with my idea of thriving, my whole idea is that life gives us plenty of things for which we can grow and expand ourselves if we allow ourselves to learn the lessons, if we allow ourselves to be challenged by what comes our way. One of the myths in our society is that when things are going wrong, there must be something wrong with us that's causing it to go wrong. But the fact is that throughout life, tough things happen. Throughout life, we have challenges, we have struggles, we have bad things that happen, but we also have things that come along our way that are blessings that fully bring us into a bigger life. So today I thought that we might talk about three things, three ways that I see that we humans complicate our lives. These aren't the only three ways. They're simply three ways that I want you to think about how they play out in your own life how they create a bigger struggle for you. The first one is an action. And what I've noticed is that a lot of times we spend a lot of effort in trying to control things. That's the action of trying to control things around us. What's really interesting about that is that we tend to try to control the things we cannot control and we fail to control the things we could control. So let's start out with the things that you can control, which will help us distinguish from everything else that you cannot control. There are three things that you can control, the three A's. You can control your aspirations, you can control your attitude, and you can control your actions. Now notice that I said you can control. It doesn't mean you are controlling, but that you can control those things. So let's start first with what I mean by aspirations. I believe that we humans are built on two pieces of our brain that way deep down inside of our brain, in our mind, there are these two arenas. One is the arena of fear, our core fears. The other is the arena of aspirations, our core aspirations, the things that we want to move towards, those important things in life that we want to accomplish, that we want to move towards, that we want to become, that we want to be in our lives. The mirror image of that are the things that we most fear. Now, I'm not talking about being fearful of spiders or of snakes or the dark or whatever else. I'm talking about those big fears that are existential fears, the ones that get us and grip us tight. The fear of not having enough, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of not being loved enough are core three core fears, but they show themselves in so many different ways. When I talk with people struggling in their marriage, I ask what they want, and they tell me that they want a loving, attentive, caring marriage. But what they most fear is that they'll have a disconnected, uncaring, unloving marriage. So their aspiration on one side is mirrored by their fears on the other side. We don't have much control over those fears that pop into our heads. Those fears are deep within us. Now, we do have some control on how much time we spend chasing those fears, but we don't have much control over whether we experience those fears. They just kind of jump up and grab us. But we have a choice about our aspirations. We can choose and control what we aspire to. 
We can choose to move towards bigger things. We can choose to take on big projects. We can choose how we want to move forward in our lives. So we choose our aspirations. Also believe that you can choose your attitude. You can't necessarily choose what's coming your way, but your attitude and how you approach it. Now, I'm not talking about always having a smile on your face. I'm not always talking about being in a good mood. I'm talking about your attitudes about how you approach situations. Do you approach a situation that's difficult by saying, I can handle this. I'll figure this out. I'll do what needs to be done to get there. Or do you find yourself immediately defaulting to, I don't think I can handle this. I can't manage this. I don't know what I'll do with this. Notice that there is a choice that's made in there. You don't recognize it because the I can't pop up automatically, but you can choose an I can. I can deal with this. I can handle this. I've come to realize that confidence is something that lots of us are waiting for. We kind of wait for that confidence to hit so that we jump into something. And I've come to realize that confidence comes with action. That when we start moving towards something, we start feeling more confident about it. And at a base layer, confidence is really the belief that you can and will figure it out as you go. So you have a choice of that attitude you choose. A choice in deciding to have that, I'll figure it out, I'll move forward, I can do this attitude. And the third thing you can control are your actions. How you treat other people, how you interact in the world, what you do, how you live your life in your actions. You have full control over that. You might not want to have full control, but you do. You might say, oh, that person made me angry, so of course I yelled at them, or of course I you know, did something that you might regret later. But wasn't there a choice in there? Wasn't that moment, wasn't there a pause in there when you chose that action? meaning you could choose another action along the way. So those are the three A's over which you have control. Your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions. Everything else is outside of your control. What's interesting to me is many times I watch as people struggle to try to control the actions of others around them. The actions of a spouse, the actions of a child, the actions of friends, the actions of coworkers, the actions of a boss or of workers for them, that that's what they work to control. And yet they can't. Many times when kids are acting out, I'll remind the parents that those kids are not the extension of their actions. Those kids are making those actions or choosing those actions. When I've worked with companies that are watching as their employees are making bad decisions and bad actions, I'll remind them that the bad decisions and bad actions are the employees. There may be another place of of how you train and, and how you parent, but the actions of an individual are their actions. The actions of a spouse are the actions of the spouse, not your own. And yet we spend a lot of time trying to control the actions of other people. The problem is that many times in the midst of that, we're not doing the control of the things we could control, our own actions, our own attitude, our own aspirations. We also don't have control over what happens in the world around us. We don't have control over the weather. We don't have control over the laws of physics as we're moving through the world and things are happening around us. We have no control over those pieces. And yet, that's where we spend our time and our focus. So the first thing that gets in our way is trying to control the things that we can't control. 
And the way we move into that and change that is to recognize the difference between what we can control and what we can't control. And we begin to work on the areas we can control while we spend our time releasing the things we can't control. The second thing that I watch uh, people do that makes life very complicated is they play a couple of mind games. The first one is what if. What if is a game of scenario building. And I watch it so often when I'm working with people who are trying to save their marriage, for instance, they'll, they'll take an action and then they'll think about all the what ifs that might happen from that. Not only that, but they think about all the what ifs of what if their spouse does this and what if their spouse does that and what if this other person does this and what if the other person does that and what if and what if and what if. In fact, as I talk with people, I notice that the what ifs are the things that wake us up in the middle of the night and keep us worried, wake us up early in the morning and keep us thinking about all those possible scenarios. Deep within us, we have this little sinking, sneaky suspicion that if we can just cover all the bases, everything would be okay. If we could just make sure that we have every scenario covered, we'll be okay. That's our fearful mind trying to figure out all the possibilities of what happens in front of us. The problem is, first, we can never figure out all of them. And second, many of those are completely outside of our control. And even if we can come up with them, that doesn't mean we're prepared when they come along. What if is a waste of our energy? I suggest that people start with what is. To accept where things are. To accept the fact that we are where we are. And to move away from the what if. What if is always a distant piece of waiting for all the possibilities to happen, most of which don't. Notice how many of the things that we have concerns about, the fears about, never actually happen to us. And yet we fixate on them on a daily basis. We can think about all the possible consequences and scenarios and miss the one that actually happens. So instead of getting caught up in trying to figure out all of the what ifs, let me suggest that you spend more time, and I'll spend more time, thinking about what is, accepting where we are, accepting what has happened. And what I've noticed is that when we base ourselves in the moment, in this present moment of what is, we have a lot easier time not struggling with what might be. We also can begin to move away from what has happened. That's the back piece of that. The what ifs are based on things behind us, skipping forward into the future and missing standing in the present, missing noticing what is right now, missing noticing the things around you. And this brings us to an important place where we can either live in the possibility of what might come our way or we could live in gratitude. Gratitude moves us to a different place. Gratitude moves us to a different place in our, our mind. Gratitude brings us to understand the world as being a vast capacities of bringing things in our lives instead of the lack of. Which really brings me to the third thing that I think really complicates our lives. And that's the mental game of if only. If only is about scarcity. It's the belief that if only this happened or if only that happened, we'll be okay. If only that would happen, I'll be happy. If only that would happen, I can finally be satisfied. If only that would happen, 
everything would work out. The problem is there's always another if only because it's not based in enough. If only always believes that a bigger paycheck, winning the lottery, finding the love of your life, finding the grand house you've always wanted, getting that car you've always wanted, getting that whatever is out there will finally bring happiness. And the problem is it really makes it as the external as what brings happiness. It's always looking for the out there to bring something inside. It's kind of the difference between focusing on happiness of what will make me happy and joy of where am I joyful? Where is the gratitude within me? When we get focused on the if onlys, we're focused on what's not there, a lack, a scarcity again. And we combat that by looking for all the things we already have. When we're looking for joy, when we're looking for peace, when we're looking for, for that place of satisfaction to recognize it's where we are right now, not if only. Think about how many times in our history people have talked about from very struggling places, from very deep places of poverty or struggle, of finding satisfaction in life. I think of Viktor Frankl, who wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and he talked about his struggles in the concentration camp, not about the joys of the concentration camp, but of the meaningful times in the concentration camp. Because he wasn't caught in if only. He was caught in dealing with right now and making a difference. And when we change that focus, notice how if only is almost our own self-focus. And when we turn it around and start looking for the places of gratitude and for us to bring in our own place of meaning and purpose, the places where we can make an impact in the world, it begins to change how we move through the world. Three things that complicate our lives. The first one, trying to control the things we cannot control while failing to control the things we could control. Playing the what-if game rather than accepting what is and moving from there. And finally, playing the if-only game of pretending that something needs to happen in order for everything to be okay instead of accepting gratitude and accepting a beginning point of building your meaning and purpose. If you're looking for a strategy to thrive in your own life, let me invite you to grab my new book, Thrive Principles. It's 15 strategies that you can apply to your life. In fact, I talk about what if in that and, and talk about accepting what is as a strategy for how you move forward. How you practice gratitude is a strategy of thriving in your life, no matter what's coming your way. If you're interested in that, let me invite you to Visit my website, thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com, or go to your local bookstore or wherever you typically buy books and find Thrive Principles. I would love to introduce you to my 15 strategies of how to build a thriving life. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you thrive in your life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it.